Thank you for downloading the weekly sermon from Trinity Reformed Church in Bloomington, Indiana. To find more great content, please check out our website at trinityreformed.org. Enjoy the sermon. Good morning. So, here we are. It is the first Sunday of the new year, right? Does that mean anything? No, it's just another Sunday. We don't think about those kinds of things. No, we do think about those kinds of things. You know why we think about them? Because God made us to think about them. He actually made the world to make us have to think about them, right? Remember what it says in Genesis 1? When God made the world and the earth and the stars and the, earth, the sun and the moon. Why did he make stars and suns and, moon, and the moon? There's only one sun. Why? Do you remember? It says, let them be for signs and for seasons and for days and years. God built a great big clock and calendar and put us in the middle of it and made it so that we couldn't help but see it, all right? We didn't make that up. God made it. And so we're supposed to notice when times and days and seasons and years turn. We're supposed to to notice and think. Remember what Moses says in the psalm that he wrote, Lord, teach us to number our days and so have a heart of wisdom. You can't number your days if you don't notice. Number your years. All through the Old Testament, all through the Bible, God builds into the life of his people times when we're, the one thing we're supposed to do is look back and remember. That's what all the feasts are about in the Old Testament. Look back, remember. And so I want us to start this morning just by thinking about the past. Think about this past year. That's what we're supposed to do. So think about it. When you look back over the past year, there are two uh, responses, you can almost say emotions, that are appropriate and good and handy, useful to us. One is positive and one is negative. What's the positive one? Hmm? Gratitude. Thankfulness. We're supposed to look back and be thankful, right? Think about this past year. Think about what you should be thankful about. I don't mean that just in theory. I want you right now to think about the things you're thankful about for this past year. All the blessings, all the mercies, all the gifts, all the times you've been spared. I mean, here we are, right? What does that mean? Well, that means we were spared another year. Did you deserve that year? Anybody going to want to say, oh, yep, I deserved that one. I had that coming. You, you might have had that one coming. 
We'll talk about that in a minute. We didn't deserve any of it. Not a single second. So even if it was hard, be thankful. Take the time, look back, think about particular things, particular instances, particular blessings, and be thankful. What's the other way that we look back? More of a negative kind of thing, what is it? Regret. Right? Is it good to regret? Of course it is. Do you have anything to regret? Regret is just a, sympt- or a, a function of shame, you know, of hopefully repentance. We look back and we're thankful, but man, don't we wish we had done all kinds of things differently? Or we hadn't done those things? Or that we had grown? Don't you wish, don't you regret anything? You regret all kinds of things, don't you? If you're alive with a conscience. This is why, you know, the saying that we make fun of, we're so wise and so grown up and so sophisticated that we laugh at people who make um, New Year's resolutions. We don't do that, that's stupid. It's just another day. What is it? I don't know. New Year's resolutions are a function of regret. Right? I mean, I didn't like how that year went. You know, I ate too much. I sinned too much. I was nasty too much. I was lazy too much. This is what New Year's resolutions are. I'm going to stop doing that. You can do that as a pagan with no help from the Holy Spirit, and that's stupid. That's why we laugh at them, because they don't work. But, goodness, I mean, come on. We should have all kinds of things that we we don't want to do again like that. That's not silly. It's not childish. So we, we, we have regret. And if you look back on your year, you have gratitude, you have regret. The things that we regret should make us even more grateful for the things that we're thankful for. Because again, we don't deserve them. So take advantage of the fact that the, the earth has gone around the sun again. That's what God made it for. Right? To think. Another year. Another year is gone. And we don't get that many. So take advantage of it. Think about the past. Now, what's the other thing we do this time of year? Well, we look to the future. And just like looking at the past, you can look at the future with two, again, I'm going to say emotions positive and negative, what's the positive one? Hmm, Hope. Hope. We all have hopes for this year, right? 
I hope it wasn't like last year. <laughs> hope is, a, is faith not looking back but looking forward. So I don't mean wishful thinking, I mean hope. Christian hope. We have all kinds of things to hope for. The other negative thing is fear. Right? We look forward to the future with fear. Why? Well, I mean, there's lots of reasons. But fear, we often think of it as what is scary to us are things that we cannot know. We cannot see. We don't know how it's going to turn out. And so we're afraid. What are the things that you're afraid of for this year? I want you to actually think about it. What comes to mind immediately? Some of it's right there on the surface. Some of it you might have to think a little bit. What keeps you up at night? What do you worry about? Fear, anxiety, worry, same thing. So what do you worry about? Uh, how many of you are afraid that we're going to go to war with Iran? Two people. The rest of you don't read the news, evidently. I don't know. <laughs> or don't believe what you read. Hmm. How many of you are afraid that someone's going to walk in those doors and shoot someone? Okay. You're more afraid of that than us going to war with Iran. <laughs> A little more immediate, for sure, yeah? How about a child's going to die? How about a parent is going to die? How about, a, how about your, your marriage is going to fall apart? Eh, don't raise your hand. How about if your marriage is going to fall apart? That she will leave you? That he will leave you? That some sin is going to come to light that's going to break everything up? That's not a crazy thing to to fear, is it? Uh, let's see, what else? How about maybe you're afraid that you'll be alone for another year? That your children will turn away from the Lord? That you won't have enough money? You'll get sick. You fill in the blank. We have all kinds of things to fear. And yet, how many times does God tell us not to be afraid? A lot. 
or not to be anxious a lot. Remember what the Apostle Paul says, do not be anxious for anything. We all know we're anxious for all kinds of things. We all know that we fear and we worry about all kinds of things. And we all should know that God tells us over and over again, don't do that. Right? So here we are, looking ahead, new year, whole new blank slate of unknown things, all the fears coming up inside of us, all the anxieties and worries. And what does God say? Don't. So I want to read for you from Isaiah 41. You can follow along. This has a lot to say about fear. Isaiah 41.1. Coastlands, listen to me in silence and let the peoples gain new strength. Let them come forward. Then let them speak. Let us come together for judgment. Who has aroused one from the east whom he calls in righteousness to his feet? He delivers up nations before him and subdues kings. He makes them like dust with his sword, as the wind-driven chaff with his bow. He pursues them, passing on in safety by a way he had not been traversing with his feet. Who has performed and accomplished it, calling forth the generations from the beginning? I, the Lord, am the first And with the last, I am he. The coastlands have seen and are afraid. The ends of the earth tremble. They have drawn near and have come. Each one helps his neighbor and says to his brother, be strong. To the craftsman, so the craftsman encourages the smelter. And he who smooths metal with the hammer encourages him who beats the anvil. Saying of the soldering, it is good. And he fastens it with nails so that it will not totter. But you, Israel, my servant, Jacob, whom I have chosen, descendant of Abraham, my friend, you whom I have taken from the ends of the earth and called from its remotest parts and said to you, you are my servant. I have chosen you and not rejected you. Do not fear. I am with you. Do not anxiously look about you, for I am your God. I will strengthen you. Surely I will help you. Surely I will uphold you with my righteous right hand. Behold, all those who are angered at you will be shamed and dishonored. Those who contend with you will be as nothing and will perish. You will seek those who quarrel with you, but will will not find them. Those who war with you will be as nothing and non-existent. For I am the Lord your God, who upholds your right hand, who says to you, do not fear, I will help you. Do not fear, you worm Jacob, you men of Israel. I will help you, declares the Lord. And your Redeemer is the Holy One of Israel. Behold, I have made you a new sharp threshing sledge with double edges You will thresh the mountains and pulverize them and will make the hills like chaff. You will winnow them and the wind will carry them away and the storm will scatter them. But you will rejoice in the Lord. You will glory in the Holy One of Israel. The afflicted and needy are seeking water 
but there is none. And their tongue is parched with thirst. I, the Lord, will answer them myself. As the God of Israel, I will not forsake them. I will open rivers on the bare heights and springs in the midst of the valleys. I will make the wilderness a pool of water and the dry land fountains of water. I will put cedar in the wilderness, the acacia and the myrtle and the olive tree. I will place the juniper in the desert together with the box tree and the cypress that they may see and recognize and consider and gain insight as well that the hand of the Lord has done this and the Holy One of Israel has created it. This is the word of the Lord. So you can see here, everybody's afraid in this passage. Um, But there are two groups. The one group is the idolaters and the other is the descendant of Abraham by faith. Look at how the idolaters deal with fear, okay? And this is something truly to, be, to fear. God, at the beginning of this passage, he's calling all the nations to appear before him. For what? For judgment. He calls them to judgment. This is a courtroom. And he calls them all. Coastlands, listen to me in silence. Let the peoples gain new strength. Let them come forward. Then let them speak. Let them come together for judgment. He's he's saying, okay, nations, come. Lay out your case. Make your defense. Go for it. And then he tells them who he is. Who is he? Who has aroused the one from the east, whom he calls in righteousness to his feet? He delivers up nations before him and subdues kings. He makes them like dust with his sword, as the wind-driven chaff with his bow. He pursues them, passing on in safety by a way he had not been traversing with his feet. Who has performed and accomplished it, calling forth the generations from the beginning? I, the Lord, am the first, and with the last, I am he. I'm the one calling you. Come here. Time to give an account. This is a call not just for then, not just for those people, but for us. We will be called before the judgment seat of God. And we will give an account. You will give an account. How do they respond to this call, this court date? Verse 5, the coastlands have seen and are afraid. The ends of the earth tremble. They have drawn near and have come. So they're coming. And each one helps his neighbor and says to his brother, what? Be strong. You can do it. Be strong. They're going to stand before God for judgment. But they're encouraging one another. This is what we do. This is what the pagans do. They make a big deal out of there's nothing to be worried about, right? Each one helps his neighbor. 
and says to his brother, be strong. So the craftsman encourages the smelter. What are they making? Idols. So the craftsman encourages the guy who melts the metal, the smelter, and he who smooths metal with the hammer encourages him who beats the anvil, saying of the soldering, it's good. You did a good job on that one. That's a particularly nice bead on that idol. And then he fastens it with nails so that it won't totter. That's, that's too nice to fall over. We've got to nail that one down. And this is, their, this is their attempt to deal with their fear, you see, of judgment. We'll make a God. We'll make the kind of God who we don't have to be afraid of. And we'll encourage each other in the process. And it's good. Be strong. That doesn't work. And that won't work. Many will stand before him on that day hoping that that would have worked, but it won't. Right? But here's the other people. Verse 8. But you, Israel, my servant, Jacob, whom I have chosen, descendant of Abraham, my friend, this is us, this is you, this is what God calls all of us, all through the Bible, Israel, Jacob, descendant of Abraham, by faith, this is us, you whom I have taken from the ends of the earth, here we are, and called from its remotest parts and said to you, you are my servant. I have chosen you and not rejected you. This is you, if you have faith in Christ. He's talking to you. And what does he say? Verse 10. Do not fear, for I am with you. Do not anxiously look about you, for I am your God. I will strengthen you. Surely I will help you. Surely I will uphold you with my righteous right hand. So look at verse 10. Two commands, five reasons, okay? It would have been enough for God simply to give two commands. It would have been enough for him to give one command. And this is a command. Do not fear. This is not an option. This has nothing to do with your, um, your makeup, your constitution, your personality. Do not fear. And what? And do not anxiously look about you. What we were doing at the beginning of the sermon was anxiously looking about us. <laughs> Let's think about all the things we could be afraid of, right? Let's think about all the things we can worry about. It's good in one sense to do that so you can know what you're dealing with, right? But it's not good. It's a sin. 
If God commands you not to fear and not to be anxious, and you're afraid and you're anxious, what does that make you? A sinner. It's a sin. One of the things we pray often from that, that end of Psalm 139, remember those words? Um, Search me, O Lord, and try my heart and see if there's what? Any anxious thoughts. That we, we say that so that God would see them and deal with them, right? Anxious thoughts are bad. Be anxious for nothing. And so these are commands, and it would have been good enough if God had just said once, do not be afraid. But he doesn't say it once. He says it all over the place, over and over and over again. Would have been good enough if he said, do not be afraid and don't be anxious. But he doesn't. He says it over and over again. But God knows us. He knows that we need to hear this over and over again. And he knows that we're dust. He knows our frame. He knows what we're made out of. He knows that we're weak. And so it would have been good enough for God just to give a command, but he doesn't. He gives lots of commands. But he doesn't just give lots of commands. What else does he give? Verse 10. Reasons. Reasons. He doesn't owe us any reasons, but he gives us reasons. Isn't that sweet? What are the reasons? Do not fear. For I am with you. I am with you. (laughs) Now think about what that can mean. Right? It can mean he's with us, and he is. He's here. It can mean he's with us in the sense of Jesus. Right? Yeah. God sent Jesus. Jesus, the Son of God, came to be with us, God with us. That's what Emmanuel means. He is with us. But it's not just proximity, right? I'm with you. I'm with you. It's solidarity. It's understanding. It's unity. So do not fear, for I'm with you. I'm with you. Do not anxiously look about you. Why? For I am your God. Who's anxiously looking about them in Psalm, or whatever, Isaiah 41? The people who have false gods are full of anxiety and fake courage. Be strong. You can do it. Good job. Yeah, we're in this together. No one can tell us what to do. You know, this is our culture. The louder they scream, the more you realize they're really nervous. And they should be. You. Do not anxiously look about you. Why? For I am your God. What kind of God is he? He's the kind of God where he says at the beginning, I, the Lord, am the first, and with the last, 
I am he. I am the one who calls forth all the generations. I am the one who moves nations around and makes them do what I want them to do. That's what he says. He delivers up nations, subdues kings, makes them like dust. I am the Lord. The God who chooses you, who makes promises to you, who calls you. Do not fear, for I am with you. Do not anxiously look about you. I am your God. That's what he's saying. I'm your God. Then he says this. I will strengthen you. That's reason number three. I will strengthen you. He's not just with us. He's in us. Giving you strength. I will strengthen you. Surely I will help you. Surely I will help you. Surely I will uphold you with my righteous right hand. Um, not maybe. Not maybe. Surely. We talk about fear of the unknown, and that's why it's scary. Well, here's something that's not unknown. Do you see it? Will God uphold you or not? I don't know, maybe. No. No. Surely. You don't have to be afraid of that. Maybe he won't uphold me. But he said he would. And he said, he said it twice. And then he said, surely. Right? Surely. I will help you. Surely I will uphold you with my righteous right hand. And so, here we are, looking ahead, new year, regrets and gratitude, hope, fear, don't, don't be afraid. Don't be afraid. You got awful good reasons not to be afraid. God is with you. He is your God. He will strengthen you. Surely he will help you. Surely he will uphold you with his righteous right hand. And it's God. Not your little tinkery toy things that you made in the shop. It's God. So go back to your list. Go back to your list. You made a list, right? All the things you're afraid of. Go back to it. And repent. And trust the Lord. I want to read to you a few verses from Psalm 62. And then we'll be done. Last time I preached, I preached real long, so I'm, I'm making up for that. 
I saw yawning last time. Psalm 62, verse 5. Listen to this. My soul, wait in silence for God only, for my hope is from him. That's what it looks like to obey the command not to fear and not to be anxious. But you've got to tell yourself, my soul, wait in silence for God only. My hope is from him. He only is my rock and my salvation. He only, nothing else, he only. My stronghold, I shall not be shaken. On God, my salvation and my glory rest. They depend on God. The rock of my strength, my refuge is in God. Trust in him at all times, O people. Pour out your heart before him. God is a refuge for us. So you remember that that verse from the New Testament from Philippians, be anxious for nothing, but what? How does it go? In all things, by prayer and supplication, what? Make a request be made known to God. Pour out your heart before him. He doesn't tell you just to bear it, to grit your teeth and to hang on. Pray. Pray. Holding in your hand very tightly these promises. If God is for us, who can be against us? All right. All right, let's pray. Father, please help us. We are so weak and full of fear. You know it. That's why you tell us over and over again not to be that way. But you know us and you know that we are. Forgive us our, the sin of fear, the, the sin of anxiety, the sin of worry. And let us obey you. Hanging on to your promises, Lord, let us use them to obey your command. We ask in Jesus' name, amen.